This episode is sponsored by Nani Wilson. Nani Wilson, for the cultures, would like to thank you for your kind generosity. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture. It's Monday. It's going down. Episode 12. What's good, everybody? This is your host, D-Boy. And I'm your host, Bex Bumble. And we're here, y'all. Episode 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are here at the the last stop, the last episode of our relationship, relationship series. series. Um, and so what we wanted to do before we, you know, before we get into our regular... Uh, our regular schmegler <laughs> episode, um, we wanted to just sort of recap and debrief a little bit of the conversations we've had around relationships uh, within this series. Right. Yeah, I know the last episode we um, talked about was toxic relationships mm. <laughs> the week before um, Teresa actually sat in for you, Bex. Yes. Her and I had a conversation, a long-ass conversation, just about, you know, the the, the relationships that we hold as, While being as queer as queer folks, you know, queer Samoan folks from the Bay Area. Um, and then before that, our very first one in this series, we had the conversation about our love languages. Love languages. Word, word. And what was yours again? Uh, my love language is acts of service. Yours? Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. We both had acts of service. <laughs> um, and I think what's just been really dope, I think, during this series is that hella different folks, you know, from hella different ass age groups, men, yeah. women, you know, just really appreciated the fact that we're having this conversation about relationships, right. especially yeah. the last one. You know what I mean? With toxic, toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was, you know, just hearing the episode back. Right. Of course, when you hear it, then you, you've you already gotten things out. And so you're like, damn, I could have talked about this. I could have talked about that. I know. So this is an opportunity for us to, yeah, just, you know, debrief a little bit and maybe give opportunity. <laughs> Sorry, I just spit a little, <laughs> a little sun. I just suck that shit out of my teeth. My toofas. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, just give us an opportunity to maybe bring up some of the things that we we wanted to thereafter, right? To just sort of put it on the table mm. and let folks have at it, right? Right. Like yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> like, uh, I remember uh, after listening to our last episode, I... I was like sitting there just like, why didn't I talk about this? And I wish I'd mentioned something about like toxic relationships and families. Yes. That was, uh, and even in church, church communities, I, I wanted, I had it in my notes, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to cover that. But what was coming up for you when you think about like the toxic, toxic relationships in Via family. family or in even churches. in church, especially with you know thinking about your story, right? It's yeah. like shit. That was yeah. That's that was that's just a whole toxic, <laughs> toxic no, I situation. Just, I just think about like the whole codependency, you know, codependency thing, and like I know for like families, uh, we tend to be at least I'm speaking for myself. There was a lot of codependency happening, <sighs> Word. and you know, like a lot of expectations were kind of leaned towards like. You know, like if you're the oldest sister, there was a lot of expectations like kind of expected from you. And if you're the younger sister, it's like 
you're kind of stuck with like everything. And it's like there was just a unhealthy codependency that I've always kind of observed growing up. And I just was like, oh, my gosh, I, I wish we could have like, you know, extended in that, con- you know, right. brought that in conversation because that's something I still see in friendships in RPI community and churches and just the codependency thing on like just members like they are like dependent on them to become be members for the rest of their lives like they have like this secret commitment that you know you mean be members of the family be members of the church oh we're talking about the church okay yeah once you're a church once you're a church member you are stuck for life word you can't leave you gotta faithfully tied you gotta do everything you're committed in every way yo i never i never really understood this whole thing about people leaving churches until (laughs) (laughs) oh there goes that anxious sound I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak on like who I'm speaking about, but I just have witnessed families or you know certain individuals decide to leave a certain church because of you know I guess uh, folks not seeing um, eye to eye in the values or the way things are carried out. Some folks leave the church because you know um, the like culture is missing, right? Like there's right. there's not that fasamoa that folks are used to, even mm. though it may be, um, you know, there, there might be some disorder with right. it. But, like, just folks leaving the church and things like that, like, I don't think I've ever witnessed that until, you know, recently within, oh, like, wow. the past 10, 10, 15 years, right? Like, I know families have had to relocate, and so they, you know, maybe will go to another church or something. Yeah. Maybe folks just stop going to church. Yeah. But, like transplanting from one church to another yeah i've never really seen that until more recently i mean what's the whole yeah i mean i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't just put that on just the pacific island churches because like i i've been in both like both in like just the balangi church and you know the samoan church so like it happens in churches period you know it's not just right but i'm saying like all i see is i mean i'm mostly around folks who PI, you know, who go to church that have picked up and left and like yeah. gone to different, you know, yeah. dif- different churches. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess at the, at the core of it is because of, you know, not seeing eye to eye or it could be a lot maybe of, maybe there's some toxicity up in there, you know, especially I think some of the situations I've heard in the past is like yeah. folks in the leadership, even if it's like the pastors or whatnot, or, you know, like, that whole administration, I don't know, what do you yeah. call that? Like, the leaders in the church. Yeah, and the are, lay ministers, the laymen, and just the deacons. and Just, just whomever, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, it's like a chain of command, yeah. Uh, it's all, it can all be backwards or just different values. And I think from my observation of just, um, you know, be serving under Samoan church for quite a few years, I think like I've served under Samoan church for like over 10 years, um, not now, but I used to, but I just remember like almost every Samoan church that I've like gone to visit or been a part of was family based. And, you know, it's, it's more than likely the non-family members that would pick up and leave, you know. And I heard it. So, I mean, sometimes I've seen it where it's family members. Oh, right? okay. I, and of course, I feel like a lot of people, Samoan people specifically, I'm sure this happens with other, um, ethnicities but like 
I know hella people leave the Samoan church because of all the kulukunis, right? Like because mm. of so many crooks, you know, tithing going Embezzlement. to <laughs> exactly right. Like people, they they urge people to do their tithings and yeah, and and give their you know a certain percentage of their earnings to the church, but it's like that money's going to pay. For their bills, yeah. you know, maybe it's going like a percentage of it is going to the church, but the other percentage is going to pay for like their house or their car or their groceries or their insurance or their jewelry, yeah, you know, yeah. like, and it's like, you're good on the people who believe in tithing and like yeah. want to do their part. Shame on those who use that, you know, for their own gain. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's like, I'm not in the business of being played. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's politics in the churches, you know, it's 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 I don't know, it's an ongoing thing of just like it confuses people and their faith because there's a lot of politics that plays in and it's like, you know, makes a person like myself like you know, I, I battled with my faith because I saw the politics. I got to witness the politics of it and I'm just like, that doesn't I don't want to be a part of that mess, yeah, you know, when, it, when you're, when you're having to, you know, play with, you know, just kind of like battle with your integrity. And, you know, if there's certain situations that you're just like, that's just not right. But, right. you know, we're supposed to respect you as the man of God or the pastor. So I can't say nothing to you because it's disrespect. You know, you're like an elder person, but you're a pastor. So you're looked yeah. upon as like someone who we should, you know, you know, you re have reverence for. So it's like, and, and I get that. That's respect. I mean, that's, that's respectable because that's what we were taught. Right. But like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just bullshit, right? Yeah. Because some, because sometimes these respectability politics get in the way or allow folks, to, um, toxic folks, right, to keep perpetuating this toxic toxic kind of behavior, right? Right. Yeah. This toxic kind of um, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> shit. That, like if if respect respectability politics teaches us to be respectful to. The Fife Al, the pastor, because of his position and where he stands, right? Then, like, we can never question mm. him or her, or, or like, we can never like push up against this, right? And if we do, then we're sinful and then we're doing the wrong thing. Like, that yeah. is the fucking smartest scam I, <laughs> I, I've ever heard of. You know what I mean? But like, uh, but but also, I say that and like, I was taught to do that, right? And, yeah. But I was also taught to give respect or respect is due, right? Mm. And shit, there's a there's a fight for L I know that's no longer, you know, with the living. Right. Um, that was completely was completely like an awful person, right? right? Like just com just really, really bad. Yeah. Um, to the point where when he passed, you know, folks was like jumping for joy. Mm. You know, and, and it's mm -mm. it's fucked up to say that, you know, but like that's real people's feelings, you know what I mean? And like you can't do nothing uh. because you know that that motherfucker was toxic, you know, that motherfucker right, was crooked. Right, and right. so that's why I'm saying like it's a, it can be a scam, um, but like I know the root of it, right, was all, you know, based out of love and 
honor and respect. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I, I, That's I, where I, tradition kicks in, you know, and it's no longer about church. It's now tradition. So. But this is the type of shit we're talking about, right? Like, it's right. just, it's overall toxic, right? Maybe folks leave the church because they smell that shit a mile away and they don't want to be around the toxic behavior, right? <laughs> That's why we, we, you know, when the house, when it ain't good in the house, you know, People just got to get up and get up out of there or else it's going to be all bad and that shit going to blow up. Yeah. And too many of, you know, too many people are compromising their integrity and mm-hmm. their values. Or their mental health. Uh, yeah. Or their mental health. Yeah. And their marriages. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, speaking about marriages, <laughs> I mean, I had a really good conversation um, with my moms when she was talking about, like, what the... Um, what the last episode brought up uh, for her, you know, and just, I don't think we covered it in terms of talking about, uh, you know, what happens at the airport, right? Like I use the airport, oh, yeah. I use the the airport as an analogy of uh, what, why these relationships are called toxic, right? Because right. of learning the hazmat, hazardous materials and you know the combination of these things could be could blow up, or there's warnings that these types of things are on there. So to be mindful of shit, but like, there's so much shit that just even happens in that in that space, right, of the airport, right, with like the different businesses just being mm. hella crooked and like, you know, not mm. caring for their workers, their employees, mm. you know, and and like those those businesses are very toxic, right, because it's like. They playing, they playing with people's livelihood. They playing with people's money. Um, not like, paying people sad. enough. Not people, not paying people enough. You know, mm-hmm. having folks work hella, hella different hours, jump through hella hoops. Um, but then shit, even the people, you know, e- even the people in the airport, right? Like, maybe not taking this shit seriously. Right. Or, um, shit, you know. Having affairs and shit going on <laughs> over there. It's a whole new world. In it's there. a whole new world. I always said because uh, you know I used to work at the airport. I was like, if folks wanted a good reality show with some drama and and all kind of shit, all you gotta do is just go to the airport and you got yourself, you got yourself a, a show whole right new there. World. There's hey, so many damn. I would have never guessed. There's so many damn folks over there, you know, cheating on their. Their partners or their spouses, you wow. know, or, you know, maybe they're not even married or whatever. But, like, I've just always seen and heard hella affairs. But, I mean, no, that's not for every, It's not everybody. Right. Right. There are folks out there who are faithful. But I just done seen a few uh, of my fair share oh, wow. over there of the airport romances. Y'all know who y'all are. <laughs> Don't be trying to front. You know what? I'm gonna have to call a few of my cousins that work at Delta <laughs> to confront them. About you, like... you got you an airport boo? <laughs> you got you an airport bay? Unbelievable. So yeah, what was that? What were we talking about? Um, Just debriefing, you know, debriefing the, of like these past episodes. Where what were was some? Your... Go ahead. What were some things that came up for you? Yeah, with just you know within this series. I don't know. I I loved um, toxic relationships. That one was like therapeutic for me because I got to talk about of about a lot of you know things that have been sitting in my spirit for a while that I just wanted to get off my chest and you know right. like there's any platform to get this you know off my chest just for like 
you know, a lot of people who do know me and with certain stories that I did share, you know, they were able to kind of hear somewhat of the side that I hold, you know, or the yeah. story that I hold from my my side. So just felt good to kind of have that aired out, you know, because mm-hmm. for the longest I felt like certain people lived with only one side of the story and that side mm. was the side that really messed me up. Like, so it was just, it was a good relief, relief for me. It was a huge brick weight off my chest and I'm just glad that that is done. Cause you know, like now I'm like walking, like walking from a place of freedom, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's rewarding. It's like, it feels great. Walking in your peace. Walking in my peace. With up. my peace. What about you? What's your favorite? With your peace. Yeah. <laughs> you mean like with your gap? <laughs> with your Walking strap? With my 1A7. <laughs> Shut Dex you? is a gangster, y'all. She from out here in these. I'm a bootleg gangster. Streets. I can't. I can't hurt nobody. I've never fought nobody <laughs> at all in my life. She's a gangster for the law. Shut your ass up. <laughs> what was your favorite um, series? If you even have hmm. one. As if you have one. Right, I don't think I have one. I really appreciate all of these conversations that we've had thus far in this well, series. And what did you learn? What I learned, I learned um, just how to, you know, just being more mindful of the relationships that I hold. Mm. I've definitely noticed that. Um, I think, and I think this also comes with age, is just valuing the more personal relationships what I have with certain folks. You know, that, um, I don't know, that add to my life, right? Right. I have family, like going back to what you were talking about with family um, and toxic relationships, you Mm. know, like there's a lot of toxicity um, with different folks in my family that like I choose not to be around, right? Because Mm -hmm. of that toxic behavior, mindset, um, or just outlook, Right. Right. It's like I can't concern myself with that. I can't put myself around that shit because then it's going to take me down too. Mm. Right. Or just make me feel some kind of way. I mean, taking to account that whole saying about like surrounding yourself around people who are going to help you grow and help you be better. um, I think I've been doing that subconsciously and not even realizing I'm doing that because I'm. I'm not valuing this this uh you know this need to like be around everybody or have relationships with hella people like right. I'm just really uh I guess uh trying to foster more uh mindfulness and right uh quality time and effort given to the relationships that I have. Mm. Right? These new ones are I don't know. It's always rocky because there's always yeah. all these questions, right? Like, oh, is this person going to be someone who's going to always be around? Can I right. trust this person? What kind of relationship do we have? How do we vibe? Yeah. You know, because what's interesting is that, like, I met folks, and right off the bat, they talk to me as if they've known me for a hell long, and I gravitate towards that because that's how I... That's how I normally would want to be with folks, right? Right, yeah. It's like it's just shit, it's good, it's love, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's all it's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh but then, you know, there's always just like you just learn about 
people being toxic, doing toxic type of shit, saying to- toxic type of things, and it's like, oh, see, that's why I can't fuck with your ass no more. <laughs> it's just one and done, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to learn my lesson one the first done. time. <laughs> shit. Wow. But, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I did learn a lot. I mean, just having really good conversations, I, I feel like I need to go back and listen to them. Right. I gotta, you know, it's just like reading. I gotta go back and read it a few times and really sit with it, and yeah, um, it'll definitely show up. But yeah, there's just something powerful about having like a small circle versus like a, you know, just like a huge circle of friends. Like for me, it's just I am so glad that I have like that small circle for me to feed off of and go to when I need anything. And it's like, I have friends outside of that circle, but I don't desire to be open and vulnerable to those people, you know, the people outside of the circle. Like there's only like a select few and this is the crowd that I choose to be undone in front of, you know? So it's like, there's just something powerful about having like that support circle. Yeah. So like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate the small circles out there. <sighs> <sighs> Bruh. What's happening? What's going <laughs> on? Uh, you know, like, part of, like, what we do is work, you know, with working and uh, behavioral health um, is, like, you know, we get the privilege of working, you know, with just a lot of uh, clients or a lot of people who, you know, are dealing with you know some the same issues that you're dealing with or something probably a lot more severe than what you're what you've dealt with but I I love that I get to work with uh, you know the age group of 18 to 25 the youth you know they call it the youth to adult um, transition but I love that age group it's just, I see I have like a great connection to that age group for some reason I feel like I You've been there before. Yeah, I feel like I've been there before, but you know that age group is also the most stubborn. You know, because I set in their ways. Yeah, set in their ways. They feel like they are the smartest people on earth. Like you don't, they know everything. They've arrived in life. There's nothing you can teach them that they don't know already, and mm-hmm. that's that age group. But yeah, I don't know why I love that, love love that age group, but I do. And, um, yeah, I just have been, you know, I have the privilege to just be around that age group and get to share my lived experience and just help them, you know, give them tools to just kind of, you know, put, you know, get back on their feet and get back out there in the world, especially some who are fresh out of being incarcerated or fresh out of the psychiatric hospital. And so my visits to the psychiatric hospitals are frequent every Mm. day. Like Mm. I'm like there every, every day. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Is it is it like not what, Friday though? Is it like what people think of? Is is it that? Is it that? No, way it's not that what the movie shows. Right. You know, it's not how the movie portrays. Is it like a bunch of people just doped out in of their stray jackets, stray jackets, white no, coats. Not, I mean, I'm sure there are certain sections, you know, and you know, parts of the psychiatric you know um, facilities that have you know that type of like you know where they hold clients or certain um, yeah where they hold people that way, but no, not, not, it's a hospital where everyone has their own room. They have like, some of them have uh, roommates, but 
that's normal. Normal, normal place where people just go and get help instead of getting physical help, they're getting help emotionally, mental mm-hmm. help. So it's like it's a normal hospital to me. And uh, this week, even last week, I just have you know like it always you know I I never know how to react when I see you know a PI you know in the facility. Mm. So it was just you know like. Normally, when I see one, I just I just give them on the eye that I see them, but I don't give nothing more than that because you know, like I don't know how they'll feel if like they recognize another right, PI they and they're just like shit. PI looking at them. I mean, what comes up for you when you see our our, our folks in there? I mean, because I right. as someone who does not frequent um, the psychiatric the psychiatric ward, like. I wouldn't even assume that our people were there. Right. Of course. That's just what we think. <laughs> right? Like, because I know, like, we have family members who belong in that motherfucker. <laughs> but, that was uh, Lord. Yeah, you know, it's... They, they still out running free, running amok. It's weird because a part of me is sad, but then a part of me is like, I'm proud of you. Like, I, it's like I, uh, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, I see you, girl. Or, I, see, I see you, boy. Right, you know, like, right. I see you. Like, yeah. that's a huge step. And, you know, like, we see that place as, like, the ending point of your life. Like, that is the An lowest. Embarrassment. Yeah, that is the lowest place anyone can go. Yeah. And it's shameful to be there, yeah. Shameful. It's just embarrassing yeah it's like that's traumatizing it's mm-hmm. just like the most shunned upon place to be and that's at least the exterior perception right for yeah. community. yeah i love feel that so you know i just would i don't i really i really don't know how to feel you know like again there's that side of me that's just like i i feel i wish i could support you it's yeah, not it's not that help. i feel sorry but i just want to support you right like that's it i don't even want to like like damn you look like my you look my, like my, me. Yeah, you look you, like my you family. You are me. You are me. You know? exactly. So it's like I want to just reach out. You are me. And Ooh. hug them. You know. I don't say you look. You know, because I I know what you're going through. That's the. I mean, but you just made me think about this. Uh, this African proverb. I think it's African. It's a proverb that one of I learned from one of our um, students from the program I used to do. Um, I believe it. Called in Lakesh. Mm. In Lakesh, you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. It means that, um, like, you belong to, like, I belong to you and you belong to me, right? Like, we belong mm. to each other. We are connected. We are a people. Mm. I am you. You are me, right? In Lakesh. Yeah. Um, and La I think Kesh. that, I think that's just, you know, the kind of feeling that we feel when we see another PI. Yeah. It is like I mean, you would hope, right? Like I mean, I know when we see each other, sometimes at supermarket, you know, like you try to be like, "Hey, what's up? How no, you doing?" No, they they real, ignore your ass. This is kind of a side note, but I remember when I was traveling overseas and I was in no Korea, uh-huh. and I seen one Samoan. Just like I knew they were Samoan. I saw the bracelet. Just saw, they were wearing a hoodie. I mean, they looked Samoan. Had and shorts we, on. <laughs> no, we crossed each other. And, mind you, it's like in Korea. We're in Korea, the airport. And yeah, I, probably look, the tallest motherfuckers over there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we, we, we cut it out. We we, we're not that big. But anyways, we, we just gave each other the look. Like, 
I see you. This mm. is Korea. We are the only PIs out here, girl. I see you. You know, it's like yeah, we said can, what's up with the yeah, eyebrows. We acknowledged each other. We didn't. We didn't go up to each other and give each other a hug and say what's up. But we just looked at each other and gave the head nod. There's just something about the like eye- the gave head each other nod. The eyebrows. <laughs> I'm done with you. Let me <laughs> let me finish my story about like the psychiatric hospital. <laughs> Daniel over here trying to make me confess. Yeah, I ain't never done. I ain't give no eyebrow. <laughs> All I did was the head nod. Oh, you didn't have any eyebrows at that time. (laughs) (laughs) You see? (laughs) But, you know, he's on a roll right now. (laughs) He's on fire right now. But back to the psychiatric Mm -hmm. hospital. Yeah, there's just, yeah, you know, there's just some, there's just that connection. We in there. We in there. You just want to help and support. (laughs) We going to commit the rest of you motherfuckers that belong in there uh, to go up in there. Yeah. But mind you, last week I I went in and I only saw like two, you know, mm-hmm. p- two PI young ladies. And then coming back this week, I then saw six, six of them, right, in the psychiatric hospital, chilling. Just you know, they they did they nothing about what they were doing looked like they were having fun, but they were just hanging out. They were together. They were together. How how were they chilling in there? Like what was they doing? You know, I came during lunchtime. And they were all just sitting at a table, just, you know, their food is all, you know, they have, they all have their own plate. But I overheard one of the girls saying, hey, you know, you want this? Here, take this. And they're all kind of just handing off Word. just certain people. You know, breaking bread with yeah, each other. Yeah, they're breaking bread. And I'm just like, man, you know, because I look at the other table and they're all just to themselves. You know, what's mine is mine. Yeah. And then there's the PI table where everyone's like, yeah, go ahead, grab all my communi- places. You know, it's like. That's such a depiction of like Western civilization yes. versus you know yeah our indigenous way of living so it was just kind of cool to see them just again sit sit with each other and just talk and, yeah you know, they you know they were supporting each other yeah i don't know how well everyone knew each other but it was just great to see community you know and like support in such a space yeah, yeah. it was awesome so What's the process, Bex? I mean, so you're telling us that we got, you know, our peoples is in, in PES, right? Or mm-hmm. is it PES? PES, San Mateo County, EPS, San Clara County. What does EPS stand for? Emergency Psychiatric Service. Oh, okay. Versus, so it's just flip. Yeah. It's versus just flip. Psychiatric Emergency Service, Services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. San Clara want to be different and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, what's the process uh, for, like, folks, I guess? Do they go in there involuntarily or voluntarily, or is it both? Both. Both? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when they're in there, like, what's the process for them to, like, do whatever they do and then get out? Do they get out? Like, what's that? Yeah. You know, just from my experience, I know that, you know, it's depending on if they're if they're on a three-day hold, a 72-hour watch, which is, you know, they get, depending on what they're in for. But if they're there for the three days, that means they're complete lockdown. They can't leave. And is um, this a fifty-one fifty? Fifty-one fifty. Fifty-one fifty lockdown, yeah. which is what? What is fifty-one fifty for those who may not? I I don't know the exact definition of what fifty-one fifty is, but should I Google that? We should. <laughs> well, you can Google it, and, and while I explain uh, the the three-day lockdown. Okay. But, okay, for sure. Yeah, in the three-day lockdown, they get. Like the VIP service, that's what uh, we call it. You know, they get they get to meet with the psychiatrist every day. They get to you know try out different medications that fit them. You know, and in the three days, usually it takes 
yeah, well, they say it usually takes three days to for them to see if you know they they react to certain medication that they get to kind of try it out. Mm. So. Yeah, they so they get all the support. They get the service of you know from the social worker, the case manager, the clinician, psychiatrist, everything, every type of support that they needed from the beginning, they now get within those three days. Mm. So, but again, it's all depending because if you came and your state is more severe than another person, then you're gonna be there longer. You yeah, okay? So, and usually if you're there longer. Like more than a few weeks, they kind of put you in a an outpatient facility, so mm. an inpatient facility. Yeah, so it's it's there's a lot there's a lot to it. Then I just hope folks are treated with care and love. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I don't know. Just thinking about how you know this country treats like our vets, right? And right. So many folks are homeless. So many folks, you know, have mental health issues because of you know being at being war veterans, being veterans in, in like, yeah. the military, and then they're just here yeah. on the streets, right? Yeah. Um. So they look, are. They're treated. They are. They're, they treat the them hope. well. I mean, I'm. I. I visit the one San Mateo, you know, more than I should be because my clients. I my clients are even some new clients. They are in there, and I like to just go visit them right when they're in. The, what they call an episode or coming out of an episode. So, right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, my bro was that, you know, it was, it was just a, I didn't know how to feel to see, you know, some of our young people in a facility like that. <clears throat> I just felt like I was helpless, you know, wanted, yeah. wanted so much to help even connect and just let them know, Hey, I'm with you. Or I wanted to slide my card. Hey, if you ever need any service or help in this fashion or if you need any resources here i wanted to but then there's just something about like crossing you know yeah, like services uh-huh. we can't do right so it was just i don't know which sucks because then it's like you kind of have to hold back from being human mm. right like i think that's your human instinct to want to help and be connected but also mm-hmm. maybe it's to protect yourself because maybe those folks don't want the help yeah from you anyways it's a bunch of things but it is a bunch of things did you figure out 5150 yeah i looked I it up that. so what google says uh, and i suggest that y'all definitely do your own research too yeah uh but section 5150 in the section of the california welfare and institution codes um is an authorization of a qualified officer or clinician to involuntary confine a person suspected there, yeah. to have a mental Disorder that makes them a danger to themselves, a danger to others, or if they are gravely disabled. Yes. Yeah. And it says here about, yeah, there's like a 72-hour evaluation and for folks to know their rights. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and you know, this is kind of a side note, but if you know anyone who, you know, is... If you feel like in need of some form of, you know, some type of psychiatric help and, uh-huh. you know, you feel like you don't know how to help them, there is a line, you know, you could call. Actually, if you call 911, you you have to ask for a the SMART team. I guess that's what they call it, San, San Mateo County. And the SMART team, they know how to handle anybody who's dealing with some psychiatric help, you know, crisis. So, because if you call 911, they don't know how to 
diagnose shit. Mm-hmm. They're just going to look at somebody who's having a manic episode or some, t- you know, something, and they will just be like, oh, they're just having a rough day. We're going to let them be. And that's just like, no, it, it, it's, it happens. And people don't know about like, you know, ask for the smart team when you call. It's call 911, but ask that they send out a smart team. And the smart team usually rolls up with the van. They bring in the potential, you know, person to, you know, they will kind of assess them in the van. Mm-hmm. And if they need to drive them in, they'll drive them in. But they know how to handle somebody who's having a psychiatric, you know, crisis. So is that who folks should call? Is nine one one? Nine one one, and, and ask, ask for, the, for smart. Okay. the smart team, and the smart team will pull up, and they are trained to know how to deal and talk to a, any family member, friend, random person on the street that you can just, you know, are observing that's having some form of, you know, psychiatric crisis. Just, you know, call nine one one and ask for the smart team. That was my biggest mistake is I remember I called 911 like I think it was like six months in my job and I didn't know one of my clients was having an episode. I called 911. I was like gave them everything that they need to report this as a 5150 or potential 5150 and they didn't do nothing. Mm. So, yeah, know those little those little details because they're important. Do you have any other uh, resource that folks could maybe uh, look up? Um. As far as like just uh, symptoms or or with uh, how do you I guess how folks would um, I guess get in contact with PS is it the nine one one yeah you can just walk in again if you are having some form of like you know anxiety or just like uh some form of mania where you're just Feeling outside of yourself or just you haven't slept for a few days and you just been seeing things or hearing things, you know, you can check your, you know, you can check, check yourself in or a, tr- a trusted family member can check them in, you know, so mm. there's a lot of things you can, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go about it, you know, and I'm sure there are probably more. I just, those are just a few yeah. that I know. Folks can look it up. Yeah. Definitely do your research. But yeah, that's been my, that's my little bruh. It's just, yeah, just. See I was, our folks up in I there. was, yeah. I, I didn't know how to feel. Right. I didn't feel sorry, but I just was like, man, I wanna, I just wanna connect with you. You just know, just wanna like, be there for them. Just wanna talk, even if I just come visit. I just wanna drop off like a plate of like, you know, don't, you know, box of donuts for the, you know, for the, yeah. But you know, maybe a prayer would, yeah, be good for them. Or just a simple, just you know, like a, I see you, like I see you, and I'm proud. You know, just yeah, something, some little, well, hopefully. I don't know. Next time. Next time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Right on. Right on for Sherry. Yeah. What well, we got next? What we got next, Danny boy? Well, my ICU this week mm. uh, is going to go out to Scott my joke. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, my ICU goes out to Joanna Wai. Rather known as Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Yeah, just want to recognize the Uso. He made a big announcement this week. Uh, he was leaving the WWE because he has mm. been battling with leukemia. I know. Right. Um, so I so he was first diagnosed back in 2008, um, but quickly went into remission. And he's uh, sort of, you know, been living with leukemia for the past 11 years. Um, and it just recently, you know, came up and came back. Right. And so, um, 
from some you know a little article that I read um the WWE says that that Joe plans to return to the ring once he's healthier um but that he wanted to go public you know with his battle mm. to help raise awareness I um, love it yeah you know raise awareness and raise funds to finance more research to find cures for the disease um, and I think something that was interesting that I read in this article was just how, you know, wrestling is fictitious, right? It's, mm, yeah. It, it's very fictional, yeah. but the people are real, right? And when real life things happen, it's like, where where's that line between uh, reality mm. and fiction? Right, yeah. Right, and like how... How do we how do we bring those into into play, right? Mm-hmm. Because even though uh, Joe is experiencing this in real life, right? This was a very public announcement, a very public way to be open and be vulnerable with what he's uh, experiencing, right? On this fic- fictitious platform, right? Right. But it's such an important platform because so many people, you know. Subscribe to WWE, right? right have grown yeah. up on WWE back to when it was WWF, <laughs> right, right? Right. Um. So I think, I mean, I really just appreciate the Uso and really respect the fact that he's being open about his health challenges right, right now, yeah. Um, and that he's bringing, he's putting those first before his profession, right? Right. Like, this is a real testament to health is wealth, right? And right. like really treating ourselves and taking our prioritizing ourselves and our health first before all else. Right. So to the Uso Joe on Hawaii, also known as Roman Reigns, I, I see, see you. you. Yes. I see you, brother. You know, it's funny because um, I remember when you mentioned that you were going to um, ICU him. I went and um, just kind of, I think it was what it do. Yeah, what it do mm-hmm. the page? I think that's where I remember seeing um, that. Shout actual... out to what it do. <laughs> Shout out to what it. Do. But I remember scrolling down um, there that just the comments of Joe when they made that announcement of him just you know saying that he's taking the back seat. He's you know he's going to deal with uh, just his leukemia that he's been fighting. And I just remember some of the comments were um, you know like. I didn't even, he doesn't even look like he's battling with leukemia. Like Mm. where, you know, like where in his health or how he carries himself, does it, you know, does he ever portray this guy that has leukemia? And in in my head, I'm like, what what does leukemia look like? Right. What what do you expect? And that goes back to mental illness. Like, Mm. what does mental illness look like? You know, like everyone has this like image or this, this just. There's a stigma around it, like everybody's sickly, everybody looks like they're half dead. Yeah. And I'm you know, sure. but you could be living with all of these things. You could be living with HIV and still exactly. be thriving and living your life, your best life. Exactly. You know, it's really just about like how you handle it, how you deal with it. Um, yeah. That that counts, right? That right. matters. Mm-hmm. And you really prove people wrong and hopefully expand their mind to know that like, this shit don't look just one way. Right. You feel me? It looks all kind of different ways. It could it could look like your mom, you know, just It could look like the strongest person mm-hmm. to the weakest person on earth, you know? Just Exactly. It, there's no one way. Yeah. You know, you really got to check check yourself. <laughs> 
check yourself and your knowledge base and just yeah, just like really? just know that you don't know everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It ain't it ain't always what it seems. Cause I, yeah. I mean, there's this campaign that I seen that uh, Kaiser got going on where it's like they have these um, little videos, right? Where they're like, it says depression, depression is dancing, right? Uh. Or depression is painting, or depression is smiling. It's like really. What 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 the campaign is saying is that you never can really tell mm. if folks you know, folks who have depression or not. Like right. it's not always somebody who's sad, and in the corner always crying. It's, it could be yeah. the happiest person in the room. Right. The person with the biggest smile could be going through so much shit. Yeah. You know the person who you think is this important you know, figure in the community or whatever could be somebody who's really fucked up inside, right? Right, yeah. And I'm saying that shit because that's, that's me, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, a lot of people, I don't know, you know, like, for some reason or other, you know, um, I guess looking at the highlights on, like, what's on social media, what's, you know, projected out there or put out there, um, people, you know, will always think, oh, Danny Boy, you know, does this or he can do that or, you know... um, he he could do these public speaking things, or he could take care of this shit. You know, he's got it. He could do whatever. No, maybe I fucking can't. Right? Mm. Like, I'm still a fucking person. Right. You know, I'm I'm imperfect. Like, don't fucking hold me on this pedestal. I'm st- I still ain't shit. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you ain't shit. <laughs> I ain't, you know I ain't no fucking body. Mm. You know I'm just I'm just like the regular schmegular ass person <laughs> out here, right? Like, yeah. You, we don't know. At the end of the day, we don't just know what people are going through. Right. Like. Yeah. So, yeah, that was just one thing that I was like, man. It, for him to still maintain his image and who, you know, just him as a as a, WW, a WWE fighter or wrestler and him as a as a as an icon and him as a husband. Is he, is he married? I think so. Yeah. But he... He was consistent all the way through. He didn't ever show like, you know, that he was, you know, his 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 trial or his, you know, his, his lowest illness. point. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. I mean, maybe he, maybe his illness is exactly how he's carrying himself. Exactly. Maybe his illness is good, and it, you know, is like maybe there's not too much of like how we perceive what pain should look like. You know, pain to me is different from pain to him. So it's like it's just different. Right. It looks different. So yeah, but I see you. What a great pick, Joe. Yeah, we see you, Joe. Yes. Praying for you, man. Oh man. Hoping uh, Tangaloa put many blessings over you. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. It's our last one. It's our last topic for this series. Thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> Tired of this shit. Tired of love. All right, we're down to our last topic uh, in our relationship series. Um, This one, uh, we call it the relationship with self, Self self-relationship. Right. We've explored, you know, what our love language is like and how that, you know, impacts our relationships. Uh, We've talked about, you know, relationships we hold as queer people and what that means for us. Yeah. You know, um, how we navigate those. And then last week we talked about toxic relationships and shit even got into it a little bit more today. But one of the biggest things we wanted to focus on is how we have relationship, the relationship we have with ourselves. Dang. 
right? And just really get into it and hopefully drop some, you know, some some seeds that uh could plant some thoughts, you know, for longer discussions outside of outside of this yeah, this realm, but yeah, cuz there's like what is it? I remember we had a list. There's self-love, there's um self-hate. Self-hate. Self-care, mm-hmm. self-sabotage, self-doubt, self-doubt, self-talk, um, right? It could be yeah. negative or positive. So, I mean, there's just hella self-blame. LM- mm-hmm. Jeez, right? There's a lot selfies. Selfies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of self. Right, and I think it'd be good to just really have this conversation, right? To to be open and transparent, right? Like that's what we value. Yeah. Here on this podcast is just like, what is our relationship like with ourselves? How do we treat ourselves, right? Like, right. <clears throat> how do you treat yourself? Um, hmm. You see all, all that extra right there? <laughs> I mean, it's not easy being vulnerable, but, you know, I think you have to be vulnerable at times to... To get the conversation going, right? To right. be open and transparent because it it's part of the liberation, right? right? Yeah, from within. Um, I don't always treat myself the best, uh, and that could be, you know, that could be from a lot of things. That could be from my the way I talk to myself internally to the way that I think of myself, mm. you know, externally, um, even what I consume and put in my body right like right um yeah i mean yeah that's a pretty loaded question it is but i think uh, you know just right off the top of my head i don't treat myself i don't treat myself that well i mean does anybody though i mean when you deal with self-talk it's like i don't know about everybody i'm I'm, i you know i assume that we all have our inner critic Right, yeah. You know, we all have, um, we all can talk ourselves, we can talk down to ourselves, um, but I know people who, you know, say they don't. Right. And, I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I believe it, you know, and it's like, dang, I wish I, I wish I had that, or wish, I wish I inherited that. Right, Yeah. Yeah, self talk. My self talk it, it 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 fluctuates because I have a lot of good self talk, but then I would have you know there are days where I have like my just negative self talk mm-hmm. you know and it just those conversations in my head are never good you know because it that the negative when the negative self talk take you know would take over in my head it's like I convince myself out of everything I convince myself to to give up i convince mm. myself to you know not commit mm-hmm. i convince myself to just you know things that just make me that person that i don't want to be you know and it's just that's what self talk does a uh, negative talk self negative or negative self talk it does that it it's always the that voice for me like that voice was a conditioned voice that mm. came through my upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, it was a voice that, you know, I I heard a lot growing up, you know, the, and I'm talking about negative. Yeah. 
And that, you know, transferred over to my adulthood. And now I'm just like, you know, I have a better handle on it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there are times where I, you know, I kind of waver in my just, you know, in in my identity when, you know, those negative self-talk comes when they come in my head. And it's, it's a it's a crappy it's a crappy feeling. And, you know, like this whole journey of meditation has been life changing for me. And like, I don't know where I would be without meditation and because meditation really is allowing these positive thoughts to just kind of like, you know, take control and lead you into a good headspace and put you at a place of peace and rest. And like, that's just what positive energy and self-talk does versus negative self-talk. It's like, it just tears you down. It sets you back. But, you know, it also traumatizes you. Re-traumatizes you, Re-traumatize. Right? It That's would so re-traumatize true. you over and over until you actually deal with it. And it's it's crazy, but, yeah. Or until you're broken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something you said really struck a chord with me about being conditioned to to think that way of yourself, right? I mean, because for me, I, I know I've talked about it on this platform before about, like, Growing up and uh, being corrected a lot, right? Either in mm. in the way that I walk, talk, fucking act, you know, just all this shit, right? Like just constantly being corrected, and even like being around, you know, like my older cousins or cousins that you know I would mm. play, you know, play with. Um. Just just even those experiences were negative because they, you know, like. They were my peers. Right. And because I was different, right, I was always, you know, like looked at or treated differently because of uh because of being that that oddball. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like a lot of the negative self talk that I have now stems from that. Right. And I think especially even with um my queer identity, right? Like yeah. I think in learning or in dealing with that uh mistreatment and um you know corrective behavior mm. um really helped me develop that voice in my head to to always analyze and assess and correct so that I beat other people to it mm. right <clears throat> but also what was um i guess what has also fed into just how i deal with shit in life right is because like when i was met with those type of uh behaviors or uh treatment you know i didn't have anybody to Mm. run to i didn't have anybody to uh be on my side and so support i had to sit there and like Mm. uh take it you know just take it on my own and how was that like emotionally for you I mean I think it plays into shit just how I can go from zero to a hundred now in my life right because I've always had to sort of deal with shit on my own right and when I say that I didn't have you know I didn't have anybody there to uh help me with that you know like none of my cousins 
that were, uh, you know, doing, like, treating me that way or whatever would come to my rescue, right? Like, because they all were compliant in it. Or mm. what is it? Complicit? Complacent. They all participated in the shit, right? Mm. Uh, let's see. All the adults were, you know, we were all pretty much watching each other. All the adults were out doing whatever. I never snitched or, you know, just never was brought up. So uh, you just, you know, you didn't. I just dealt with it. Mm. <clears throat> so I think, you know, just thinking about how you said that you were conditioned uh, to to think about those things, right? Like, right. I think that's how that voice was conditioned in me and it just grew stronger and stronger, you know, every year because, you know, as you're growing and self-assessing and self-correcting, it's like society is also telling you to behave a certain way. Right. Or that, like, you grow up to have this certain kind of life or whatever, right? Yeah. And so you just... continuously developing that voice or I'm continuously developing that voice and that shit has just really gotten just yeah just gotten bad stronger yeah because wow in in the topic or just in the self negative self-talk there are a lot of like it, it's broken down to like even more like there's oh yeah there's layers yeah to this there's shit. negative self-talk but then there's negative what is there no self judgment self guilt self blame self criticism there's a lot of self that's in the negative self talk and it's you know it's like when you're able to get into detail what what exactly that talk is like for me mm-hmm. like one of the things that helped me you know kind of silence those negative self talk moments where being you know identifying what you know what category it falls in and when I'm when I when I'm able to understand that you know I know negative self-talk is like pretty much the umbrella of like everything but when you get to the 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 you know the the root of what of where the negative self-talk is coming from like I'm able to deal with some stuff like when I found out like self-guilt and self-blame were like one of my biggest things I was like, you know, again, because I'm, I, I'm blessed to have a therapist to talk these things through, but my therapist was able to, un, you know, unpack a lot of my self-blame and mm-hmm. where it comes from and a lot mm-hmm. of my self-guilt that yeah. I had no idea I had, you know? Mm-hmm. I knew I, I knew I, I, you know, I'm thinking everyone has self-guilt, everyone deals with self-blame, but there were deep roots to it. That, you know, affected me emotionally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, there's always, there's power when you find out the, just, you know, more in detail what exactly it is because you're able to silence that voice, you know, eventually. And, you know, not, not every negative self talk voice is silenced, but for the most part, I try my best to kind of shut that mug up <laughs> i mean i think you bring up a important part right like the first step is recognizing what the issue is what the problem is where those things stem from yes 
to do that kind of healing kind of work, right? And yeah, I think acknowledging, mm-hmm. accepting, yeah. and then healing. You know, and, and healing, right? Like yeah. that's the biggest thing, because I think part of this work, what I always try, the advice I always try to give to folks, because this is also something I'm trying to, you know, I've tried to develop over the years when. Right working on trying to heal, you know, just internally from whatever, is that, like, we have to develop a, a counter voice to that negative voice in our head, right? Yes. Like if you can develop that negative voice, then you can develop a, vo- a a positive voice that at least works against that one specifically, right? Um, and it, it it works. Right, I, yeah. I've tried it, you know, and it doesn't... It doesn't work automatically, right? Like I could think, I could be thinking a nasty thought about myself, and then I'll recognize it and say, you know, like try to affirm myself or say something positive. Uh, but that negative voice don't want to hear it, you know. Right. And, and that's 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 a real thing, right? That's a real part of the process. Is like you're so engulfed in this like ne- negativity, right? That when support tries to come around your way or when you even try to affirm and um, empower yourself, you talk down to that too. Right. Right? Because the negative voice, is just, the, its job is just to tear you down, tear everything down so right. that you can't break free. Yeah. Right? But, but just developing that voice and strengthening it with different, you know, exercises, yeah. you know, um, it can bring. What does that voice sound like, though? Which one? The the voice. The counter yeah, voice. Yeah, the counter voice. It it sounds. Are they empowering? Yeah, encouraging? it sounds empowering. It sounds encouraging. It sounds like it's telling that negative voice to shut the fuck up, mm. or like don't listen to that that bullshit. You know, the, you know where that shit stems from, and that's just a bunch of hurt, right? Like whatever it is, you you would tell to somebody else who might be feeling this way about themselves, right? Right. You also got to figure out how to tell yourself that same shit. Right, yeah. Because it's easier for us to be like wanting to come to other people's rescue or help other people is because we can't even fucking help our own <laughs> self, right? Like, well. like, you really have to figure out how to do that for yourself too, as well as others. Right, yeah. And that, I mean, that's a big task, right? I'm, I'm, no, I'm no expert at it. Right. But that's just my one solution is like developing a voice to counter that negative one. Um, yeah, th- there's this article I read um, from Dr. Kristen Neff. She has a TED Talk that um, that's titled Self-Compassion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, when you spoke about like your counter thoughts, you know, I, I thought of that. I thought of... Um, you know, that was one thing that I was never um, taught um, to have self-compassion. Um, I mean, I was taught to have compassion for others, but never for myself. So um, she 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 addresses a lot of just key points that um, I was able to, like, walk away with. And, you know, now I have, like, more tools to take with me when, when dealing with... Um, you know, talking nicely, you know, talking, you know, nicely to myself. And she uses the example of like, you know, talk to yourself as if you were talking to a friend, you know, and I, I am like, 
when I talk to a friend, especially when they're going through something, I am like the I feel like I'm the best friend ever. <laughs> like I listen. I am so compassionate. I'm just totally connecting to whatever it is that they're sharing with me. And uh, when she shared that, I was like, man, I definitely do not do that at all. Mm-hmm. Like I do not treat myself as if I am a friend. I don't have a patient. I don't have the patience to deal with my stuff. I'm just like, you know, when, when shit, ar- when things arise, I'm just like irritated. I'm angry. It's, it's coming to surface. I'm like not happy, mm-hmm. but Dr. Kristen Neff, she helps us channel it to a place where we are self-compassionate and, you know, we're kind to each other and we are gentle to ourselves. And, you know, she like mentions in her Google talk that, you know, surround yourself with someone or people who like, you know, who are kind to you and speak, you know, speak with kindness to you. Like those are the people you want to be around. And then she mentioned, like, and that should be yourself. You are with yourself every day, so your words should be kind all the time. And she mentioned, she also brings um, brings up, like, self-esteem and how self-esteem and, com- and self-compassion are different, you know. And I just, yeah. Dr. Kristen Neff, she brings up some crazy, awesome points on self-compassion, you know, and that's that's a that's a whole different type of perspective and mm-hmm. you know way of looking at things because culturally we're not taught to we are last right we are everyone first be compassionate be everything and then when it comes to you just go to sleep come back and serve at people again you know you don't serve yourself at all when it comes to you you don't have any more you don't compassion. exist. You don't have any more compassion to give. You done gave it away to everybody else. But but you don't. But even when you give it, to, it's like you don't know how to give it to yourself, you know. Because again, I I've never seen anybody be self compassionate growing up. Right. I think now, sadly, it's like it took me stepping into a Balangi setting church. They were a lot more self compassionate, and you know they were a lot more gentle and kind. Not only to themselves, but to even to like others, you know, it was a different type of way of living and being. So it was just unique. And that's where I felt like I learned some of what it is to be self-compassionate. I know this is a different uh, topic, but I feel like those kind of balangis that do have all that. Yeah. Need to make sure that their whole community and maybe even themselves give that shit to people of color especially black people yeah because that's some bullshit that is you know what i mean yeah no but, that and is. not every not every palangi person treat yeah. you know mistreats um black folks that way yeah. right but majority yeah you know, i just, get it I mean, because, you know, you're saying that about the Palangi folks, like you step into church their, setting wise, you step into their church setting yeah. and it's this and it's that. And it's like, OK, where are those people at when we need their privilege to advocate for people of color, right? right especially yeah. black people? Right. Like. Come out and be on these front lines. Right. right yeah. Use your privilege for other people. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, that's a that's a wish. That's a hope, but you right. know, 
I mean, and I can't speak for every Balangi person, but yeah. I know with the churches that I've been, you know, a part of, you know, they were just a multi, you know, yeah, cultural church. So, you know, I've always seen. It was always love, welcome, yeah. everybody. Yeah. It was always love. It just made me. Oneness. I, I just was, it made me think about that because that, I just seen that video this, this week. I think it just came out. Shoot. By uh, what's her name, Niecy Nash or something like that. Oh my gosh! That that one eight four four white fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm okay. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but I just that's what that's what came up for me when you was talking about. But the, what the Palangi Church? Okay, so let's just refrain from that conversation. But what is self love like? What is like self love to you? What is that? Like, you know, in, in a nutshell, what is self-love? In a nutshell, it is you caring for yourself. Yes. In a way that makes you happy. Yes. In a way that brings you joy, in a way that restores your ability to exist. Right. Um, because I feel like oftentimes, or no, not oftentimes, all the time, all of us out there, you know, we're constantly giving our giving of ourselves to so many different people from our parents, grandparents, siblings, children, spouses, partners, right? Like we give so much to that, then we give so much to work, right? right. And and all of all that encompasses with that. And then we give so much to the community. And then we give so much to all these exterior these other things, right? Where it's like how are we replenishing everything that we've given away? Right, right? yeah. And, and, you know, we can't wait on anybody to replenish it for us because we have to, you know, do it for ourselves. We can't wait for other people to do right. it. And, and like, do you, do you agree with me that, you know, when you don't have, like, that a love for yourself that can also affect like how you love others. Do you think that that affects the way you love other people is like how you love, how you, how you limit the love for yourself? I'm not saying that that's you, but do you think that that affects the way, like the way we love ourselves is the way we love people. Do you think that that? I don't know because I feel like there are people who love themselves more than they love other people. And so they're not going to love other people the way that they love themselves. Mm. But that's maybe I'm just thinking about some, you know, someone who is conceited or narcissistic, right? Or selfish. Or very selfish. Because then I'm thinking about like So but that wouldn't even be self-love though. Right, but you asked yeah. you asked like, you know, um if I feel that the way someone loves themselves affects the way that they love others. Right. Because I feel I know like for myself, I think I would I think I love you know, I love my, I love my mom more than I love myself. I love my dad more than I love myself. I love my niece, more th my nieces more than I love myself. I love my siblings more than I love myself. You know, some of my family, and I don't know if that's just because that's the way that we were brought up, but like, right. like the love that I have for my niece, I know that, um, I can be very frustrated at times, right? Right. But I'm frustrated at times because. 
I'm having I'm trying to be someone to her that I didn't have and so I don't know what that looks like I don't know how to model that because mm. um, you know a, a lot of times it was just um, uh, me and my sister right because my mom had to work and my mom didn't have a car so she would have to catch the bus home and so we would be at home a lot of the times um, by ourselves for long periods of times right you know sometimes I would even like, um, just leave my sister at home and like rip and run the streets with my friends and mm. try to get home before my mom did and just leave her there, right? Like, right, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and that, that's what, uh, anyways, that's what helps, that's what tells me that I love that, I love her more than I love myself. Mm. I'm, I would even throw away my freedom, you know what I mean? Like, my biggest fear is that something, bad hap- or something negative happens to her where I can't control the Hulk <laughs> and the Hulk comes out and I black out and I just fucking mm. destroy everything in my way. Right, you yeah. Know? Oh. I mean, that's a pretty extreme example, but that's just... I hope to never meet the Hulk. <laughs> that's just what I'm saying, though. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know firsthand that I, I love... I can love someone else more than I love myself. Really? Because I already do. Yeah, like my oh, niece. Wow. See, I'm the exact opposite now. I used to be, at one point in my life, I used to be that mindset. Like, I loved everyone way more than I loved myself. I, I, I was, like, last to just, you know, like, you know, taken care of, last to eat, last to just do my stuff. I was like, you guys go ahead and do whatever. I'll, you know, I'll figure out, I'll rearrange my stuff and put it, you know, on the back, you know, the back burner. Don't worry about it. It took like, what, the last maybe two years for me to like finally put myself first. And for me to not, have to deal with um regret or deal with um fear of disappointment or fear of like people like you know just yeah being disappointed if I put myself first and you know there's I think there's this whole misconception of like when you put yourself first you're selfish because I mean I've heard that growing up a lot but there's that other side of like when you put yourself first, you know, you're able to because like everything flows out of me like when I'm at a good space. So if I take care of myself like mentally, emotionally, in every way possible, my health, my mental wealth, like everything, if everything is taken care of, you will have the best Bex, version of Bex, period. You know, I would be able to serve you better I'll be able to be compassionate I'll be more compassionate I'll be more loving I'll be more patient like that is what happens when I take care of Bex but when I don't take care of Bex I am doing all the services and all the deeds but internally I am still this person that is hurt that is irritated that is impatient that is out of love that it does not have compassion that is like dying for some you know some help in that area of emotions and I just was like burnt out doing that because I found mm. myself in a place of like, why am I dying in here? Mm. But everybody's out there happy. Mm-hmm. And they, I, you know, like I just had a, a huge reality check again, two years ago, maybe even three, but two years ago for sure. 
where I just was like, I can't do this no more. It's draining, you know, it's exhausting. And, you know, now that I'm working from a place of love instead of for love, it's, I, it's like, a, it's just a different level of freedom when I work from love instead mm. of for love. And mm-hmm. that, that was just a, a trap for me, you know, like I was like, you're not getting a good version of Bex if I don't take care of myself. You know, if I don't have my, my time, my, my, my meditation time, my time of prayer, if I don't have these things in the morning, please believe you, you're going to have a very short version of Bex, you know, mm-hmm. like all these things are important to my life and my being, like my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health, like all those things I need in order for me to be the best version I can be. So, yeah, I believe I'm like the opposite. I have to, I'm all about myself, you know, and mm-hmm. in that sense of like, if I can take care of myself, everyone benefits because you are going to have the best version of me. But if I don't take care of myself, I'm doing you a disservice. Mm-hmm. Like this, you're now going to have a very poor representation of me. And that's just because I'm out of fuel. I'm running on fumes. I'm like, just, you know, everything is short. Anger, irritability, patience. It's like I'm just at a short, you know, fuse, fu- fuse when it comes to that. So, I mean, everything you just said, Hella speaks to me because that's, I think that's just been my reality. You know, I, I've been, a sh- I'm a short fuse. I can be a short fuse, you know, a lot of times at home to those who are around me a lot, you know, like to, to my niece, to my mom, right. to my grandma, right? Like I'm just a short fuse because um, maybe I'm not putting myself uh, first. Right. And we want the best or loving, version of you. loving, you know, to myself. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like... It took me a long time. Trust me, I didn't. This didn't happen I mean, overnight. I know that. Like, like what you're saying is that there's nothing that I don't know. Of course, right? Like, I know yeah. that, and I know that I need to love myself, you know, first so that I can love others. Yeah. Um, but I just don't seem to be in that place right now. Yeah. You know, you'll get there. It trust me. I've been there before. Yeah. You know, I've definitely been there before. I think it's just. I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of shit, right? It's just about how I see myself, yeah. how I'm thinking about myself, my situation. Right, yeah. With, like, just, I don't know, I'm trying to adapt, readapt to this new life, you know, being in the Bay, yeah. be, returning to the Bay after 10 years. And that that's where, again, where Dr. Neff, you know, just her, the tools that she gave were, like, you know, self-compassion, like, but that's be what I'm kind, saying. you know? But, but like, this is what I'm saying, though, is, like, when I'm in a negative space, like, and I and I'll be kind or try to be kind to myself, I'm also telling myself, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> you know what I mean? Shut the fuck up. That's some bullshit. You know, like, like don't like to not believe it, right? right. To just stay on, in the dark side because. But that's not kind. You know what kind is to me? Kind is like seeing the bullshit, looking at it, and still saying, "I still love you for that." Mm-hmm. Like being kind is accepting and loving your imperfections. That's being kind. But when you ki- when you're when you're you know when you're cussing out your imperfections and saying if eh, just fuck up you are you're you know you don't do that shit you know you're not that is like 
your negative talk, talking to your imperfections and saying like, it belongs that way. It does. It's never going to change. It shouldn't change. That's who you are. You know? Yeah. I mean, in what it seems as though is that maybe that voice is stronger because it's been built longer. Yeah. It's a conditioned voice. Right, it's a conditioned voice where years, that, where that years. counter voice trying to develop is I know. Is still trying to learn how to walk and shit. You yeah. know, and I'm not saying it's all bad all the time, you know. There's my days when I'm on and my days when I'm off. But you know Yeah. But yeah, I I I've, I'm a strong believer of if like if you are able to love yourself in the totality of who you are, like I'm talking about imperfections, even the your, the areas that you're really good the insecurities. at. Insecurities. Insecurities. Like love your flaws, like love your weaknesses, like love, you know, it's not, it doesn't say, I mean, I'm not saying accept, you know, like, like those, like that's it, like that you're only going to go to that, you know, like to that, the highest of like is right there. That's the cap of like where you will, you know, where you'll be, where you exceed or excel. No, like that's it's just being happy and being okay, you know, and like just looking at it and saying like, that's okay. That's a part of me, you know. It it is a part of me now because that's where I am in this season. Mm-hmm. It's not where I'm going to be, you know. But yeah, it's a it's a practice. I feel like it's a it's not one of those things that people are just gonna transform overnight when they just say practice self compassion and by tomorrow you'll be fine. Right. It's not gonna <laughs> happen like that. Well, I think a, a good place to start is this question that you have brought up um, a while ago that I've been sitting with. I never really answered it. I don't feel like I want. I mean, maybe I answered it now, but you know, just for those that are listening or those that are wanting to re-examine, you know, where they're at or whatnot, or just even trying to think about how you what what your self-talk sounds like. This question that you asked, Bex. Um, is really, I don't know, just really burned. It's been burning inside of me. All right. Right? It's the, uh, what do you think about what yourself you think? when mm. you're by yourself? Right? Selah. That is a great question. And I think that it's a it's a question mm. that, you know, folks can answer for themselves and and really just think about, you know what I mean? Like, what do you, how, what does it go, how does it go again? What, what do, you, do you think about yourself? What do you think about yourself when you're by yourself? When you're by yourself? Yeah. You know, I think it's just leave that there, drop that <laughs> there. Drop it. You know, let the process begin uh, and be honest, right? Because I think if we're able to able to be honest about what we think about ourselves when we're by ourselves, like, okay, we see it. This is what it is. There's some good. There's some bad. Maybe it's all bad. How do we make it better? How do we rise above how do we overcome that because we don't have to stay there yeah what got us what got you to that point what got you here yeah and what can carry you over Mm. right yeah that's a good question (laughs) i feel like that changes every day for me like every day is a new you know it's a different me Mm -hmm. so i like that answer for me was changes every day word some days I think of myself as like a, you know, the the greatest person alive. You know, you the goat. <laughs> I'm, I'm Lebroni. And some days I'm like 
lazy, you know, just no type of drive, no goals, no nothing, has nothing going for her. Like there are some days that I think of myself that way, you know? So it's all depending on like just, you know, where I'm at in my day and where I am in my week. I wish I can sit here and say like every day when I wake up, I feel like a star, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure one day my my talk will be that way. Yeah. It's gone it's coming. But like there are days where I do feel like a star. Right. There are days where I feel like I need to be locked up <laughs> in jail. <laughs> Matter of fact, the psychiatric hospital. Uh, you gotta be a PES. Yeah. So it it varies for me, like when I'm by myself. But that is a great question because it's like Nobody ever thinks of stuff like that. Right. You know? What is it? What does it sound like? What does it look like? What does it make you feel like? Right. Yeah. What does it t- t- uh, taste like? I know. Right. Really explore all avenues of that question. That's good. I mean, because something that something that um, you know, I recently had a positive self talk, I guess, because. Mm. You know, we did the whole portrait series uh, for PI suicide prevention, and I was able to put these cards together for the PI resource fair that just happened earlier this week. And you know, just putting those those cards together uh, really made me feel proud of being able to create you know this uh, this imagery right with these messages about uh, preventing suicide and giving information to the campaign that we're doing. Mm. And if, you know, I was telling folks, like, I know it's weird, but, like, I'm really proud of myself, right? Or, like, I really felt a genuine... Um, yeah. Sense uh, of accomplishment. Ha- yeah. yeah. Sense of accomplishment because, you know, the images came out beautifully. It did. The message, the, just, like, everything was on point put together. And, there, I mean, there are some things that I need to fix for the next round of prints, but... I was really proud of it, right? And so what's funny is that even to feel proud of myself or to, you know, uh, big up myself, it felt weird because that's not a normal practice. Right, yeah. And I want, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of people out there feel the same way. And so just just continuing to radically love yourself, you know what I mean? Like, if it feels weird, keep keep pushing, keep doing it to love yourself, right? Like. If you normally don't love yourself or if you normally don't accept yourself, resist that, push against it, and and do it, right? Re- give yourself that radical love that, um, you know, pushes against all of that negativity that is in your past and in your history right. um, and in your psyche uh, because we we need to, right? It's an act of resistance when we love ourselves and accept the totality of ourselves right yeah. and i'm saying all that because i need to hear that shit from my motherfucking <laughs> self i'm gonna run this motherfucker back <laughs> and you know let the negative self-talk hear that shit when it mm. when it arises yeah that's a good that's a good dr- way to end this word podcast. word do you have any uh closing <sighs> actually i do I ask you let me let me share some things that I had um, found on um, some of the articles that I read come on now but um, and these are just kind of random notes one of them um, says that love for other people only follows and chases a love that we have for ourselves mm. 
It's not. Say that one more again. Say la. Love for other. <laughs> is it say la? Say la. Is it say la? Say la. Can you explain to the folks what, what say la is? Man. Okay, Come after, on, because we've been saying it. <laughs> we only said it twice. <laughs> now, you said it in some other episodes, but okay. you can do it after this. You okay. can do it after this. Let me read this quote real quick. It says, love for other people only follows and chases a love that we have for ourselves. Mm. I thought that was, like, powerful. Yeah. Does that bear witness with you? Does it sit well with you? Definitely, especially with what you were just talking about in terms of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's another one? It says, are you willing to no longer hold your future hostage to your past? <laughs> that one was uh, another good that's, one. That's some real deal. That's a good question. Feel. That's another question. Um, another one is self-love is not expecting your perfection to show out. Self-love is falling madly in love with your imperfections. Mm. That one was a good one, too. That is a good one. Uh, and last, what I have here is that. That's it. Yeah. Right on. Do you have anything? No. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, something that, you know, just thinking about how we love ourselves, right, and and all this, I also want us to uh, just think about, you know, what came up. I believe it was also earlier this week or maybe at the end of last week. But it was, um, there was this thing put out by Trump where they were, the administration was going to have government agencies, you know, um, take away the non-binary check boxes, right? Right. For different government forms or whatever. So, like, what that essentially means is that, like, Folks who identify as trans or or, or non-binary on the gender spectrum have no place to identify themselves. And so this, you know, just this wave of of, um, recognition or I guess, you know, I guess they'll call it Internet activism, right? But just a lot of this, a lot of these things came out where it was saying trans lives will not be erased. Right, yeah. Right. I think this is probably, maybe I didn't have a bro earlier, but this is my bro of the week. Is just, you know, I think for all of us who are cisgender folks, mm. that means that we identify with the sex assignment that we were given at birth. All of us out there who, you know, are working from a place of love or who believe in human rights. Right trans rights are human rights right right um and so like let's stand together let's yes let's use our privilege as cis gendered folks to stand up for our trans brothers and sisters out there uh because you know just as queer folks you know we know what it feels like to be marginalized queer folks of color right yeah you know a lot of us a lot of us have experienced um, discrimination and mm-hmm. prejudice and racism. So let's just do better, right? Yes. And let's, you know, we support all of our transgender, trans, yeah. our trans folks out there. Yeah. We see y'all. We love y'all. Yes. We stand with y'all. Yes, yes. Yeah. So in closing, word <laughs> to wrap up our relationship series, uh, yeah, relationship with self. Yeah. It's important. You 
and the, just all these relationships, right? All of the yeah. Just think about the relationships that you hold in your life and what they mean to you. Yeah. Um, you know, in our culture, right? This space between you and I, right? This space that is that exists. It's called the va, right? Mm. And it's the va that we hold that we share, and it and it means something to us, and so how we show or how we care for it is we continue to nurture the va. Yeah. Right? It could be negative, it could be positive, but we feed into it and we keep we keep it going, right? Yeah. We keep reaching new yeah. newer heights and newer yeah. levels of understanding yeah. and connectedness. And so yeah. You know, just be mindful of the vas that you share with folks out there. Right. Make sure you keep those ones that you cherish the most close to you. Um, and just continue to nurture and feed into, feed into them. Yeah. 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 So self relationships, <laughs> <laughs> self, um, was a self compassion, self love, self, what is it? What's that? Self trust. Yeah. What is it? What's some, so, some other good self acceptance, self acceptance. Cause you know, in the beginning we named all the, ne- like the negative self sabotage, self harm, yeah. self. Yeah, self acceptance, self love, self care, self um, permission, self permission. Yeah, give I yourself like the one. permission to like fuck up sometimes. Like shit, you yeah. know it's good. Like you ain't fucking perfect. Yes. Like you know what? I ain't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be cool. I'm gonna get up. So yeah, I feel like all of that falls under the umbrella of compassion. You know, word. Like, just self compassion is key. Word. Love yourself. Uh, it's important to love yourself in this day and age people are just being burnt out they're burnt out they're tired they're exhausted they're getting sick you know like let's not forget about us you know not in a selfish way but just understand that you deserve love you deserve compassion and you deserve that attention and that awareness so yeah Word. this was a great topic thank you Bex Thank well, you, I think we, you know, done ran over Tom. I know it's probably looking at the clock, looking at us. Uh, but before we get out of here, we forgot to do it last week. And so we definitely got to make sure we do it this week. But Bex. Yes. How are you going to take care of yourself this week? Uh, I think. I think I plan to read more i've been behind in some of my books so i have two books that i need to finish but there's just something about reading that just allows that where i feel rest and i feel peace you know and it's probably because it's alone and it's quiet but yeah i need that type of energy right now silence alone and just you know studying and getting something learning something so yeah reading i'm gonna try to finish two of these books that i get Halfway started. Where the mental stimulation. Something like that. <laughs> How about you? Uh, what I said I was going to do this week um, when I was thinking about it was that I was going to listen to some pop, some more podcasts. Mm. Because I used to listen to a Including lot of... Including ours? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> off top. I listen to ours all the time. You know, I got to listen and make sure <laughs> everything's together. Yeah, but but I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, um, you know, on my way to work back in like when I was in L.A. and or just even whenever. Right. And I loved listening to podcasts because it would always inspire me to think about other things and and come up with really good questions or have good conversation. Yeah. And so I think I just want to 
I want to start listening to other podcasts because. What are some? What are your top three? Well, the main one that I'm always listening to that I try to make sure I catch every week is the read. Yeah. The read is one you of my. You put me on the read. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, podcasts. Um, another one that I listen to is Freakonomics. Mm. Um, and also this one by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Revisionist History. Ooh. Yeah, it's really dope. So it's, it's like a it's an eclectic mix of podcasts yeah, out yeah. there. But I definitely just want to start listening to them again. Nice. Yeah, you okay. know, do something for myself, fill up my cup. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. It's for the Cultures Podcast. Word. Thank you all. Thanks for dealing with us and uh, being patient with us through this relationship series. You know, it ain't been easy, but we just, you know, we just... We're make learning. It, make it do what it do. <laughs> All right, y'all. Take care. Take care. Have Till a good week. Till next time. Take care of yourselves. Peace out. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. 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 For the culture.